Sports with the Wise Man. Episode 7. We got a special guest today. A big surprise. You excited? You better be. I'm not. It was a crazy wild card. The Giants coaching, still interesting. Let's get into it. We're going to talk about the fall of the New York Giants from last year to this year, the rise of the New York Giants, the the wild card, the Knicks, the Nets. We got it all. Get ready. Get set. All on Sports with the Wise Men. Okay, so we're here on Sports with the Wise Men. We have a special guest, Evan Roberts from WFAN. He does the Connor Roberts Show from 2 to 6.30 p.m. How you doing, Evan? I am honored to be here. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Perfect. So before we get into all the sports things, I want to first ask you a question because, you know, I'm a young podcaster, 14, and I know you started podcasting at a young age. So... What got you into the radio? What inspired you? By just listening. It's funny. I was, you know, eight years old listening to WFAN, and I loved it, and I love sports. Um, I would go to tons of Met games with my dad. I would watch the Jets on Sunday. And so WFAN was the greatest thing in the world because I would listen to it and, you know, almost want to do it myself. So I started doing fake radio shows in my bedroom. It was long before there was a thing called podcasting. So I guess that makes me feel very, very old. So it was just listening to the fan, realizing, I want to do this. This is awesome. I want to talk about sports. So it's it sounds similar to you, just being a sports fan and loving to talk about it. Yeah, like I'm I'm like I listen to WFAN also. I start I do it in my room also. So it's pretty cool. Nice. Um yeah. So now we're gonna get into the sports thing right here. I'm a Giants fan. I know you're a Jets fan, right? Yeah, we're we're both in bad places. We're we're both not great right now. But yes, I am a Jet fan. And this is the worst time of the year. <laughs> yes, because we're not watching playoff football with our teams in it. It's very sad. Yep. But one thing I'll give you is the Jets do have more playoff wins than the Cowboys. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yes, over the last 25 years, we own that. Yes. I enjoy that. Okay. So last year... I mean, I started following the Giants back in 2016. My first game, unfortunately, was watching Beckham drop four touchdown passes against the Packers in the wild card. <sighs> it was pretty bad. But ever since then, I saw garbage for five years, let's say. And now, uh, last year, the Giants go 6-10. and 10. But I saw a different team last year. I saw a better defense. I saw Joe Judge had the locker room last year, in my opinion. The team was disciplined. They weren't doing penalties as much as they did this year, at least. Last year, they had a better pass rush. And only, and only since last year, they only got better. They got Kenny Alday. They got Kadarius Tony. They had a pretty good draft. What happened from last year to this year that they got so bad? It's, you know, it's a, it's a great question because on paper, I agree with you. I thought the Giants were going to take another step. You know, having Saquon Barkley healthy for a year, you mentioned adding Kenny Galladay. This seemed to be the logical step. I think defensively, the step back probably had a lot to do with Blake Martinez getting hurt 
and with Leonard Williams not having that same kind of year he had a year ago. But the real problem with this team was their offense. And it feels like the offensive line went backwards. Uh, so that's number one. Having Daniel Jones get hurt in the middle of the season was an absolute killer because you saw what having an incapable backup quarterback can do. Remember last year they had Colt McCoy, and Colt McCoy was able to help them win a game in Seattle. Uh, this year, Mike Glennon wasn't going to help win anything. But really, it, it just starts with an offense that, for whatever reason, and it, look, injuries had a lot to do with it, it just went backwards. It was a broken, broken offense. And I think some of those wins that they should have had early in the season, some of those winnable games, specifically the Washington game, set them back, where like the entire season was – Hey, can they get out of the hole that they created for themselves? But look, I, I went into this season thinking this team was ready to take that next step based on the encouragement of what we saw last year, even in a six-win season. But I think injuries, the offensive line, Daniel Jones not being healthy, Saquon not being what we kind of figured and hoped he would be coming off an injury, I think you pile all that together and you have what was just a disastrous season. Yes, and by the way, speaking of Colt McCoy, that was a terrible mistake. How do you drop? First of all, he wins games for Arizona this year. Yep. He went into Seattle last year. And you have Mike Glennon. By the way, Mike Glennon was, I really couldn't want, it was the first time I didn't watch a Giants game. I couldn't watch the Giants-Bears game. It was so embarrassing. I don't blame you. It's, it's weird because at the time when they let Colt McCoy go and they signed Mike Glennon, no one really made a big deal about it. And... I kind of feel bad. I feel like my responsibility responsibility as a talk show host would have been call out why they let such a capable backup go for Mike Lennon. But I guess we take it for granted because it's a backup quarterback and you figure, ah, oh, you know, Daniel Jones will be healthy. But the problem is Daniel Jones isn't healthy. But when they lost Jones, and look, I don't know if it would have mattered if Colt McCoy was the quarterback. I think they would have been more competitive, but I don't think it would have turned into a playoff season. But they just became so non-competitive where I can't blame you for not watching these games because they never had a shot. That bear game was a joke. You know, first play of the game game is over. I mean, it's, you never really feel that way. Most of the time when you watch an NFL game where one play in you're done, but one play in they were done. And, and speaking, yeah. sorry, no, no, it and was just, it was horrible. Yes. And speaking from this year to last year, one of the things was last year, they were always in the game. Yes. Yeah. I mean, think about all those games early in the season when even though they lost, they were in it. They had a shot, starting with that first game of the year against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the game against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. So yeah. it, it it was such a fall off from last year where there was promise. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's that's what we have to do with these days. Um, and now speaking of the fall of the New York Giants from last year to this year, let's see how they can rise again. How do you think they can rise? Who do they need to get? on the general manager list, the coaching list, the quarterback list even maybe, and the entire offense specifically, maybe some pieces on the defense. I think it starts, and it feels like I've been saying this for, for years, like a decade since they won their last Super Bowl. It starts with their offensive line. They have to fix their offensive line. And when Dave Gettleman was hired, that was the first thing he mentioned. He said, we got to add hog mollies, and we have to fix this offensive line. So one of the guys interviewing for the GM job is Ryan Poles, who works with Kansas City. Now, I can't tell you Ryan Poles did all of this, but the Kansas City Chiefs fixed their offensive line in six months. The Giants have been trying to fix their offensive line for a decade, but if you remember in the Super Bowl last year, 
their offensive line was broken. Patrick Mahomes was running for his life. And yes. during this offseason, they fixed it. So, look, I think with any of these executives, there's this unknown because we don't know what they're going to be as the top guy. But with that being the clear priority, I look at how Kansas City fixed it. And so a guy like Ryan Poles jumps out at me because that's the key. I mean, no matter who the quarterback is, if they run it back with Daniel Jones, if they bring in someone else, they've got to fix what's been a decade-old problem, and that's this offensive line. Yes, that's the main issue right now because an offensive line – Basically, in a way, affects the entire team. Obviously, it affects it, but it literally rebuilds it. As you see, from team to team, if they get an offensive line, Daniel Jones maybe could be much better. The receivers could have more time to get open. Who knows? It, and, it changes yeah. everything. It cha it changes everything. Unless you've got like a superstar franchise quarterback, not having an offensive line just crushes you. Yes. Um. Yeah. It's like the core of the offense. Okay. So now that we talked, but now I want to ask. Who should they get as head coach? The guy that jumps out at me the most is Brian Flores, only because we just saw him look like a real head coach for three years. I think anyone else that you hire, any other first-time head coach, comes with that uncertainty. You know, Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator for Buffalo, is, is a hot name. And look, he may turn out to be a great head coach, but one thing I've seen over the years, a lot of great coordinators can't translate as a head coach. Including Pat Shermer. In, yeah, Pat Trimmer is a great example because, look, he got the most out of Daniel Jones, and he is a good coordinator. Remember what he did with Minnesota, but you're right. Whether it was with Cleveland or it was with the Giants, a second opportunity, it doesn't translate. So I, I like the idea of bringing someone in who's done it before. And we just saw Brian Flores kind of rebuild the Dolphins over a three-year period, and it, it doesn't hurt that he's a New Yorker. I mean, dealing with the media is a big part of this job. I think that's what hurt Joe Judge at the end. He kind of came across like a phony. Brian Flores will never be a phony. I think he gets this city more than most because he's a Brooklynite. He's from here. So he's the guy that jumps out at me if you can get it done, bringing in Brian Flores. Now, I know you said this on Carlin Roberts, but I want to hear it again because I forgot. <laughs> Joe Judge is from Bill Belichick, and Bill Belichick has a horrible coaching career, and I know this isn't fair. Why would Brian Flores jump out to me more than Joe Judge and all the other failed experiments of Bill Belichick? I, I wouldn't look, you're right. I mean, there's no disputing that the Bill Belichick tree has been terrible. I would not hold that against every other person for the rest of time who works for Bill. And in Brian Flores's case, I saw him coach. Like that's the big difference. We've watched him coach for three years. He inherited a terrible dolphin team in his first year. There were no expectations. So that win total, you know, it, 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 he actually walked away looking good. I think they won four or five games in his first year, but their expectation was worse than that. But over the last two years with Ryan Fitzpatrick, with Tua, who I don't believe in, I don't think Brian Flores believed in, they were somehow in a playoff race in back-to-back -back years. They finished strong after a terrible start. He just looks and feels like a capable NFL head coach. And it's bizarre to me that the Dolphins got rid of him. So I get the concern about Bill. I totally get it. Because the track record is the track record. Most guys who come from his tree haven't turned out to be good, successful head coaches. There's no argument. Say that again. It's There's no doubt. But I feel like Flores is different because we've seen him coach. We know he can do it. And I wouldn't even say he deserves a second chance because I don't think he failed in his first chance. I think it's he deserves to continue to be an NFL head coach. Okay. And now I want to bring up another head coach. I know it's not confirmed, and you could probably guess what I'm about to say. Jim Harbaugh. Now, I'm not... I'm going to add something about Jim Harbaugh. If you decide to keep Daniel Jones, 
that Jim Harbaugh has a history of making quarterbacks better with Alex Smith. Alex Smith stank for five years. Jim Harbaugh came in there and turned him into the Alex Smith we know for for five years, let's say, a great NFL quarterback. No doubt. No doubt. That's why like I'd move on from Daniel Jones, but Jim Harbaugh, they can pull that off. If they can hire Jim Harbaugh, and I, I guess I'm still skeptical about what his intentions are. Does he really want to come back to the NFL? Is he using this as leverage for more money from Michigan? Harbaugh is one of those guys that I would trust to bring Daniel Jones back with just because of exactly what you said. I think that's the most impressive thing on his resume, that Alex Smith was a bust. That It was an accepted thing that Alex Smith was an NFL bust, and he not only turned him into a pretty good NFL quarterback, I think they could have gotten to the Super Bowl with Alex Smith. So I think that's one of those things about Harbaugh that's most appealing, that if you really do want to – Keep it rolling with Daniel Jones and give it another shot with yet another head coach and another offensive coordinator, which is amazing to think about. Jim Harbaugh at least has the track record of getting the most and turning guys around. By the way, speaking of the 49ers almost making the Super Bowl, who did they play? The New York Giants. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That was was, uh, an incredible, incredible game years ago. Eli Manning is still still has bruises. From that NFC championship. I think he game. lost a few teeth. <laughs> I think so. That was yeah. That was one of the guttiest efforts I'll ever remember. Eli Manning pulling that off and staying in there after he got sacked like seven times and was beat up all day against San Francisco. Look, Looking like a mess on the newspaper. <laughs> okay. So, and now one more thing about the Giants head coach and quarterback. What's your uh, opinion on the rumors about Flores bringing in Watson with him or Watson feeling like he wants to go to the Giants? What's your opinion on that? It's tough. I mean, as a quarterback, I want him. I mean, he's a top seven quarterback in the NFL. And if I have a chance to acquire that, I'll give up whatever draft picks are necessary. I said that last year when the rumors involved the Jets, because when you add a franchise quarterback, which is very difficult to find, I don't care how many first round picks I have to give up. We've seen teams give up multiple first round picks for a draft prospect, whether it's Trey Lance or it's Robert Griffin III going back years. So when it comes to town, it's a no doubt. It's really seeing how his legal situation unfolds. And I think that's the decision that John Mara and the Giants are going to have to make. When it comes to talent, it's easy. When it comes to, hey, should I go get a franchise quarterback? To me, it's open and shut. I'd have that argument any day of the week with anybody. It's, it's more, are you comfortable bringing him in, especially with the legal situation that's around him and the accusations against him? So that's... That's where the Watson things becomes very complicated. And I don't think the Giants would make a move until things are more cleared up about the accusations against them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So now we just passed by the wild card. I want to get into a little of that. Okay. What's your, I'm going to go ask your opinion on each team in the wild card right now and what and the reactions of the games, including the Cowboys game. Um, okay. Bengals. Do you think they have a chance of beating the Titans? I do. I do. I mean, Joe Burrow, there's something he said after the game that I loved, and some may take it as cocky. I love the mindset. He said, I don't want to get too excited about this win because this is going to become normal around here. He's basically changing the attitude of a franchise that I don't even remember them winning a postseason game in my lifetime. You got to go back to when I was seven years old when they won one. And Joe Burrow's the real deal. And so... I do give them a chance. I mean, Trey Hendrickson's had this brilliant year in which he's had a million sacks, a guy the Jets were going after. And I'm skeptical about the Titans because 
they haven't won a playoff game in which they've asked Ryan Tannehill to make plays. And I don't know what Derrick Henry's going to be. The guy's missed a lot of time. So I definitely give him a puncher's chance to pull off the upset and advance to the AFC title game. No doubt. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the Buccaneers. Now, let me first say something about the Buccaneers. I didn't, I, even last year, and I know it's Brady, I did not believe in the Buccaneers because they were always in the game. They didn't have such a good record last year. And I, I, the game which I fully saw the Buccaneers was the Giants-Buccaneers. And they almost, they didn't even outplay right. the Giants. It was Daniel Jones who screwed up the game. So, and also this year. This year, I just, first of all, they have some injured players. They have a mess with Antonio Brown and that part of the um, team. I like, first of all, and also this year, the NFC is much more stacked with the Packers, the Rams, the 49ers even. What do you say? You know, it's I'm going to give you something very simplistic because I was thinking about this game and I, I don't want to see the Buccaneers lose. I mean, I tell you right now, I would love to see Tom Brady go home. Matthew Stafford played well and finally won a postseason game. And that is a very deep Ram roster. And the acquisition of Odell Beckham Jr. looks smart. And we know how good Cooper Cup is. And it's great to see that they're getting healthier. With all that said, I am not, I just don't have the guts to pick Matthew Stafford over Tom Brady. I just don't. I just don't believe down the stretch of a close game, and it will be a close game, that Matthew Stafford's going to avoid that brutal mistake that Tom Brady won't make. And even though Tom is without a lot of weapons right now, he still has Rob Gronkowski, his guy. He still has Mike Evans. Keyshawn Vaughn ran the football well, and they are so loaded on defense. And as much as I didn't love him as a head coach, Todd Bowles is a tremendous defensive coordinator. I'll be the first to give him credit. I just can't in good conscience pick Matthew Stafford to knock off Tom Brady in a postseason game on the road. And I want to be wrong. Trust me. I, I want to be wrong very, very We badly. all want to. <laughs> we all do. Yeah. Except for Craig Carton, except for my partner. He loves right. seeing Tom Brady win, which I can't understand. Yeah, so, but one thing I got to say, we've seen throughout Tom Brady's career that he falls for the pass rush, and the Rams have a hell of a pass rush. Yes, if you get to Tom Brady, I mean, look, the Giants proved that JPP knows all about it, you know? Yep. So he knows how to protect this guy. I, yes, that's And the, the Eagles. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way to get to Tom Brady, no doubt about it. But I got to tell you, I don't think it's happening in this round. <laughs> I, I, I hope it does, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah, okay. So either I think my prediction is either I think uh, Buccaneers – the Rams will do something stupid in the final minutes. But <laughs> what I'm going with, what I'm going with is the Rams will win. I hope you're right, man. I'm with you. Yep. I'm, I mean, I don't I don't agree with you, but I certainly hope you're right. Yep. And uh, also, by the way, as a Giants, and I, don't, I shouldn't have that much against Brady because he never caused me too much problems. But, <laughs> That's yeah. true. That's but true. But you Jets fans, though. He's we, caused us a lot of pain, but I'll say this, all right? Tom Brady. I'll give you a little factoid. Tom Brady has only lost one time in his NFL career in the divisional round at home. He's 13-1 and one at home in the divisional round. And that one loss came to Mark Sanchez uh, and the New York Jets, baby. Yeah, by the way, speaking of Mark Sanchez, he's known for the butt fumble. People forget he took the New York Jets to two AC championships. That's that's right. I, and I think the butt fumble is the most overrated thing in sports. We should remember the fact that not only did he go to back-to-back -back title games, as you pointed out, 
He defeated Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in back-to-back weeks in the postseason. How many guys can say that? Uh, I don't know. Not many. Not many. None. Nobody can. Wow, that's a great stat. But then there's a butt fumble. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, Bills. Bills Chiefs is the tightest game this week because you got two AFC powerhouses facing off at 6.30, by far the tightest game. I'm going with the Chiefs. Who are you going with? I'm with you. I, look, I'm sticking with the Kansas City Chiefs. That was my Super Bowl pick at the beginning of the year. Not that I'm alone in that. I think everybody looked at Kansas City, especially if they fixed their offensive line, which they did, and said this is a Super Bowl team. I will, I will tell you this. I think there's a lot more belief in Buffalo and Josh Allen because of how incredible they looked last Saturday against the Patriots. But this is not the New England Patriots. Mac Jones is not Patrick Mahomes. This is a completely different animal. And one thing we saw last year in the AFC Championship game, and we've seen this throughout Patrick Mahomes' playoff career, no lead is safe. You know, you could jump out to a 9-0 lead, a 12-0 lead. We've seen it. We've seen it throughout his career. No lead is safe against the best quarterback on the planet, or at least he has been over the last couple of years. So, I agree with you. I think the Chiefs win this football game, but I think this is going to be the best game of the weekend. Uh, it kind of feels like it's the AFC championship game. You know, no no offense to Tennessee and Cincinnati, but these are the two best teams in the AFC. They just happen to be playing in the divisional round. It's 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 going to be a dogfight, if you ask me. It's First of all, they're both cold places. They both have good fans. It's loud. I'm very excited for that game. I, But the Chiefs, I feel like the Chiefs are going to steal it like like in the fourth quarter. Like, early in the fourth quarter. Oh, I okay. think it's going to be a, a very close game. I think it'll be a classic. That's the game we're all going to be talking about Monday morning, no doubt. It's going to be NFL throwback in 10 years. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, by the way, I remember the Chiefs-Texans game. I saw that game live, and for not one second, even when they were losing 24 nothing, for some odd reason, I just didn't have a doubt. I knew the Texans were fake, and I knew the Chiefs were for real. <laughs> you call that one, that's for sure. And then it was sad when the Texans head coach, Bill O'Brien, called a fake punt. Oh, God, how bad was that? That is, that is from the worst calls in NFL history. Not good. Not good. Horrible. Okay, outside of that. Okay, this is the game which, as a Giants fan, as an NFL fan, got me so excited. The Cowboys Niners. As you said, and as I said earlier, that every year the Cowboys fans say they're going to make the Super Bowl all that garbage every year. And every year they have all the talent. And every year they screw it up in some really dumb way in the playoffs. In like the divisional. That's what they do. That's what they have perfected for the last 20 plus years. And I think that the Dallas Cowboys put together one of the worst coach games I think I've ever seen, at least in a very, very long time. I mean, I I put, when you have undisciplined penalties, I always put it on the coach. I've seen a lot of that over my years watching the Jets. But the penalties they committed, and they were all legit. I don't want to hear about the officials. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys, whether it was pre-snap penalties that were obvious, whether it was that illegal hands to the face, they played as undisciplined a game as you'll ever see. Can the I quickly fake... say something? Yeah, of course. Go ahead. Yeah, by the way, when I every time you saw, okay, maybe the cab, maybe the refs are just being the refs like they are in the playoffs. And every time you saw an offside, you saw holding, it was real stuff. 
Every time. I agree with you. I mean, you're almost sitting there wanting to complain about the officials, but what was the complaint about? They were right. The Cowboys are an undisciplined mess. Obviously, everyone's talking about it. The decision to run Dak Prescott when you've got 14 seconds left on the clock was ridiculous. Give me two cracks in the end zone, maybe three, as opposed to one crack from the 27-yard line. The After the fake punt, as great as that was, to keep that unit on the field and basically force yourself into a delay of game made no sense. It was just top to bottom, a horribly coached game. Jimmy Garoppolo tried to give it to him. I mean, missing Brandon Ayuk wide open, the brutal interception of Anthony Brown. That was very Cowboys-like, the way they found a way somehow to lose that game at home. I know you hate Jimmy Garoppolo. Can you please explain why? I'm curious. I do not hate Jimmy Garoppolo. All right. I don't hate him at all. I have no ill towards him. I was expressing on the radio with Craig that he's not good. That's all. I don't hate someone for not being good. I just don't think he's a franchise quarterback, and I'm certainly not alone. The Niners agree. That's why they moved as much as they did to trade up for Trey Lance. So I have no issues with Jimmy Garoppolo. I just don't think he's a franchise quarterback. So if you're looking for a bridge quarterback or if you're looking for a, a solid game manager, that's he's fine. I, I, so I have no issues with him. I just didn't buy this idea that my partner was suggesting that he's some kind of winner. He's not. The Niners are a really good football team. They got to the Super Bowl a few years ago because nobody could stop Raheem Mostert in the NFC Championship game. It wasn't Jimmy. In fact, Jimmy's blown opportunities to go even further. They win that Super Bowl if he's a little bit more accurate. So it's not a hatred or a dislike for Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just calling him out that he's not that good. That's all. Yeah, that's what I sort of like. I mean, like, you don't believe in him in, like, postseason, let's say. Okay. Um, uh, okay. The Cardinals last night, I thought, I, to myself, thought that the Rams had destroyed them. What is your opinion on the Cardinals? I didn't believe in them. What's your opinion? I, you know, I didn't believe him in this game only because of how poorly they played down the stretch. You know, when Kyler Murray came back from his injury, I think he had one good game. And after that, just felt like a different guy, you know, far different than the MVP candidate that he was. So this is not a team that you could feel good about going into the postseason. So for that reason, I wasn't exactly confident in them. But I've heard a lot over the last 12 hours about, oh, my goodness, Cliff Kingsbury should be on the hot seat. Kyler Murray's this. Listen, that was their first postseason game. It was bad. I mean, no doubt. Kyler did not look ready for the moment. But I think everybody's got to take a big, deep breath. All right? It was a horrible first postseason game. But I'm not ready to bury the coach or bury the quarterback. Uh, but they certainly came into the postseason not playing their best football, which to me led to not being too surprised that they got blown out the other night. I mean, you could tell it was like a first postseason game. Like, Kyler Murray makes that dumb, like, toss in the middle of the end zone when he's oh. getting sacked for safety. Oh, that was brutal. I mean, that was very – it feels like I've seen that before from Daniel Jones or from Sam Darnold or any other bad young quarterback I've watched over the years. That mistake cannot happen, and it was a bad, bad mistake by Kyle. That was when the game ended. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was probably was over before that, but, yeah, that yeah. was that was the exclamation point on the game. That's for sure. Yeah, it was. It was over from the front. The Rams were driving like there was no tomorrow. They were doing so well. Okay, now that we talked about the NFL playoffs, we're going to wrap it up in the next, like, five minutes. But before we get to that, who is your Super Bowl predictions? I know this is an on-the-spot question. I know – Whatever this is better. Who do you think is going to be in the Super Bowl this year? And it's a hard one, but who do you think? 
The Green Bay Packers will represent the NFC. This is Aaron Rodgers' year. He's lost so many brutal championship games, including last year. That's not happening this year. So Green Bay from the NFC side. And I'm going for the trifecta. You know, we saw the Patriots make three straight Super Bowls. Now it's Patrick Mahomes' turn. So I think we're going to get that dream matchup because we've never seen Rodgers versus Mahomes. We were supposed to have it during the regular season this year, but Aaron Rodgers missed that game with the COVID issues. So I'm going Green Bay, Kansas City. And I've been with the Kansas City all year, if you hear it, because they were, first of all, they have the, at least even before Bill Belichick, I didn't believe Bill Belichick would get too far in the playoffs. Even if he bumped into the Chiefs, whatever, the Chiefs would beat him. Now the Chiefs have the most experienced and by far the best AFC coach in the entire NFL right now, after Bill Belichick was right now removed. I They have experience. And the thing about this year that is different about the Chiefs than any other year is, first of all, their offensive line a little. And number two, their defense. Back in 2018, when they when they were a great team and they lost to the AFC Championship to the Patriots, they did not have a good defense. Their defense wasn't able to stop in an important game. They weren't able to get off the field. 2019, they had a better defense, obviously. But this year is something else. They have such a good pass rush and a great secondary. No doubt. Remember how bad they looked like six weeks into the season when they were dealing with all those injuries. And, and think about this, because you brought up that loss to the Patriots a few years ago. They weren't offsides away from winning that game. This is a team that could be looking at their fourth consecutive Super Bowl appearance. It's amazing to think about how good they've been for a while. And Andy Reid used to have a reputation of not being able to big one, but not being able to win the big one. And boy, has that changed. Now you look yep. at him and say, you trust Andy Reid in the big spot. Yeah. And also Mahomes, he has perfect experience. He's a talent that we've never seen, if you ask me. He has everything you could have in a quarterback. The running, the throwing, you name it. Okay. And the weapons, and the weapons. Look and at all the, the weapons, weapons that he has, he has on that Kill. Yep. Yeah. Travis Kelsey, it's not even fair at this point. Okay, so now we're going to get three more stuff right here. Okay, Knicks. I'm a Knicks fan. I know you're a Nets fan. I'm a Knicks fan. My father's a Knicks fan. That's the tradition. Okay. What do the Knicks need to become a playoff contender? What addition to the team? Do they need an amazing shooting arm? If you have to put one thing on that team, Today, you're the Knicks, and you have anything. I'm saying not anything. Who do they need? One player. They, they need a real point guard, and, and it feels like they've been looking for that for a while, but I think with the roster, the way it's built right now, we're just talking about a good, solid playoff team because I think to be a championship team, they need a couple of superstars. But before we get to that, I think having a real point guard would help. Um, Kemba Walker is not that guy at this point in his career. Derrick Rose, ideally is an offensive fire plug coming off the bench. I, I, you can't have Derrick Rose play 35 minutes a night. It's just not there. So ideally, it's a young, upcoming star point guard. And I, I think that's what they need. And I think it makes guys, I think it makes Julius Randle better to have that. I think it makes R.J. Barrett a lot better. I think it makes Obi Toppin a lot better. So I think the thing they need, it's not easy to find. I'm not sure where they're going to get that besides the draft and drafting correctly is that young kind of emerging point guard. And that's why I was a little upset when they got Kemba Walker this year because I felt like they got comfortable at the point guard position, which I just felt like it. I didn't. I wasn't happy because I knew this was going to happen with Kemba. And I don't want them to be comfortable at the point guard position. I want them to hunt and hunt for that superstar point guard, which isn't easy, but I need them to get it. Yeah, okay. Moving on to your team, the Nets. 
Okay, this is a question. You can answer it. I mean, this may be a dumb question. Your opinion. Okay. At what point can you say that the Nets getting KD, Kyrie, and Harden was for nothing in a way? What? How many years does it take to win the championship? When do you think? I know they probably will win this year, but let's see they don't. When do you think the deadline is for you? Uh, before, like, the window closes? Unfortunately, it may be now. I mean, they, I, I think they have to win now, and I dread that I'm going to look back at last year and losing the way they did in Game 7 in Milwaukee as that was their best shot. But what's so frustrating is that we haven't seen the three guys play together for any extended period of time. You know, we finally got it in the postseason, and then look what happens. James Harden has his hamstring issue. Kyrie Irving has his ankle issue. And so that series ends with Kevin Durant and half of James Harden, essentially. So what I fear as a Net fan is, am I ever going to see all three of those guys truly competing for an NBA championship? Because I haven't yet. Um, I think as long as they're out there, the window is this year, assuming James Harden resigns, maybe I got another year. But I'm just very fearful that something's going to happen that's going to keep them all from playing together. And I said the same thing last year, and look what happened. You know, game one against Milwaukee, nine seconds in, James Harden has a hamstring issue. So and, I fear and then I'm Kyrie. Be, and then Kyrie with the ankle issue, which really finished him off. I, I fear that years from now, this is going to be the biggest what if in sports. What if they were healthy? What if they played together? And I dread it, but I mean, that's my fear right now as a Net fan that we're never actually going to get to see if these three guys go in an NBA championship together. And as an Edson, I don't even, I don't even, sorry, I don't even know if you could expect that they're going to, like, I don't. have all these in the playoffs. Like, how could you expect that they're going to have all three? If I would you expect at least two, and I, I'm not even sure about that. I don't. I mean, you're right. And, and I remember saying that last year because of all the different, and last year was about injuries. Like, first it was Kyrie was away for personal reasons. Then Kevin Durant got hurt. Then Durant comes back and Harden gets hurt. So it was all injury-related. This year's a little bit different. You got the vaccine requirements. Kyrie Irving's not getting vaccinated. Then you got the Durant injury. I just, look, I, first of all, I don't even know if the vaccine requirements are going to change. So you may be dealing with half a Kyrie Irving in a postseason run, which is just insane to think about. So, yeah, my my confidence level that we're going to get, you know, all these guys playing together for an entire postseason run is just not high right now. Yeah, okay, let's start wrapping up. Okay, I have two more questions. Is EK, this is back to football. This is a question that would rest on an NFL fan mind, just like a question that I, that's been on my mind for years. Is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? Because he, in my opinion, in my Hall of Fame, I don't know how the NFL Hall of Fame goes these days. I feel like it's getting weaker and weaker. That, he only had one Hall of Fame season. That was 2011 when he was the Hall of Fame quarterback and the best quarterback in the NFL. But just that was just only one great, great year, Hall of Fame year. What's your opinion? Yeah, I think if we judged Eli Manning just on his regular seasons, he would come up short. I'd be the first one to agree with you on that. But two Super Bowl championships, two incredible Super Bowl runs. Uh, he was amazing during that run in 2011. He was clutch during that run in 2007, winning in Green Bay on the road in overtime, winning in Green Bay in 11 against a 15-1 and Packer team. I And this is just me. Some people may disagree on this. I put a lot of stock in that, in what he did in the postseason. And to me, that elevates him into Hall of Fame territory. So, yeah, I mean, if we're just judging 
the regular season. He comes up short. Phillip Rivers had a better NFL career if we're judging regular seasons. But you got to include the playoffs in my mind. And those two runs in 7 and 11 are epic. And so to me, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and the funny thing is, his brother is the exact opposite. Yeah, right. Peyton Manning was never known as a clutch money quarterback. But look, he ended up being that when you think about it, because think about how many Super Bowls he went to, especially on the back end with Denver, even though he's carried to his last one. But yeah, I mean, Peyton Manning was all about the stats and those gaudy regular season numbers. And it certainly took him a while to really break through that stigma of being an unclutch postseason quarterback. Yeah, he's known to be. Uh, he's known to be like the electric, like the Madden quarterback. He's like the best. If you ask me, right, almost any NFL fan, Peyton Manning is the best regular season quarterback of all time. Yeah, I mean, look at the numbers. They were gaudy, that's for sure. Okay. Okay. Um, one last question. The MVP predictions and the, all, the, um, all the awards this year. Let's go one by one. Okay, start off with the lowest rookie, offensive rookie of the year. Jamar, well, offensive rookie of the year, Jamar Chase. He was unbelievable for Cincinnati. He turned out yes. to be the perfect, perfect mix with his former teammate and current teammate, Joe Burrow. Yeah, uh, defensive rookie of the year. I agree, by the way. It, it's, I mean, it's got to be Micah Parsons. He was such, oh. he was such a monster. And that should kill you as a Giant fan because you passed up on him to trade back, and certainly you got an extra pick, and you got Kadarius Tony. but could you imagine this giant defense if they drafted Micah Parsons? Oh, my God. It's like a teaser. <laughs> I, I apologize. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, offensive player of the year. Offensive player of the year. I mean, Cooper Cup was awesome. And, you know, I kind of saved the MVP as a quarterback award because – Let's face it. How can you win the MVP if you're not a quarterback? But Cooper Cup was unbelievable for the Rams. And I thought came the closest to a wide receiver legitimately being uh, an MVP candidate. Because no no wide receivers ever won the MVP. And you can understand why. Because, you know, what would the Rams be without Cooper Cup? Well, they'd still be good. What would the Packers be without Aaron Rodgers? They'd be garbage. So it kind of makes sense. But I'd say Cooper Cup. He was great this year. And defensive? Uh... You know, part of me wants to say Micah Parsons because he was that good, you know, to actually give him both, which I think LT is the only one to pull it off, Lawrence Taylor. Uh, I guess I give it to TJ Watt because he broke the sack record. I mean, that's kind of cool. You know, a record that's lasted for a while or tied the sack record, I should say. So I'll go with TJ Watt. With my Watt. New York Giants. Yes. <laughs> yes. i go with TJ Watt. Gonna, Why not? I'm not going to be happy about that one. I'm joking. <laughs> I understand. Okay. And MVP. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. He's the guy. I know people don't like him, and that's okay. It's not about who you like. It's about what you did. And I think, you know what won Aaron Rodgers the MVP? The week he didn't play. All you had to do was watch the Packer offense that week, and it was enough proof that he's the MVP of the league. Aaron Rodgers. Yep. What a player. And now I forgot to do one more because all my friends wanted, a lot few of my friends wanted to ask me because I got Giants fans, Jets fans. I know you're a Jets fan. I have a question. Who is in a better position coming into next year, Giants or Jets? You know, it's the Jets only because they're in year two now of their rebuild. While there's so much uncertainty about what the Giants are going to do, I, I think there's a, an, a way to change that answer. In this moment, it's the Jets. But look, if the Giants went out, hired Brian Flores, traded for Deshaun Watson despite their cap issues, my feeling on that would change quickly. 
no doubt. But yeah. I think in this moment, because, you know, we did see some small progress this year. Uh, they've got some young talent on this roster. They've got a ton of cap room. They've got the draft capital. I, I will give the edge to my football team, the New York Jets, but that is subject to change. That can change very quickly. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to stay on an extra minute after I end it. Okay, so thank you a lot, Evan Roberts. Today's Sports of the Wise Man, we had a special guest, Evan Roberts. Hope you enjoyed. Thank you, Evan. Good night.